A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. Jesus and his disciples went on to the village around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Well, I uh, want to welcome you as well. My name is Ed. I'm one of the pastors at Community Christian, and we are honored that you came out to be with you, uh, with us today, and uh, I'm honored to get to talk to you for the next little bit. Now, if you aren't a follower of Jesus, or maybe you would say you're a follower of Jesus, but you don't really do church, you might not know that uh, this week for Christians is like the week in the, in the whole Christian year. It's not Christmas, which a lot of people think. It's really this week. In fact, this week is called Holy Week. It begins today with what's known as Palm Sunday, which you might have heard of. And it ends next Sunday uh, with Easter as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And we hope you'll come back uh, to be a part of that. But this whole week is, starts with this thing where Jesus comes into Jerusalem. Uh, he rides in on the back of a donkey. He's sort of greeted by some, we think, maybe many, many, many people uh, that come out before him. And uh, it's called the triumphal entry. He's hailed as king on that particular day. But in just five days, uh, Jesus is nailed to a cross and he dies for the sins of the world. And today, um, I'm going to talk to you about the cross and particularly, I want to talk to you about the cross, maybe not in the way that you normally wind up hearing about it. Almost everybody in this room probably knows about the cross. You either have seen the cross. Uh, we have two on stage, if you haven't seen one before, uh, or you've got one tattooed on you, or you have one around your neck. In fact, I just read a survey this week that majority of Americans can identify the person on the cross of Jesus, but uh, it's amazing that only about 30% of us know what the cross is about or what Jesus is actually doing on the cross and what the cross uh, might, in fact, have to do with me. I didn't know that when I was preparing this message. In fact, I found that uh, really interesting, and uh, particularly with regard to what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about the significance of this for you uh, with regard to your life, and not your life sometime in the future, not just in terms of what Jesus did on the cross to pay for heaven one day, uh, which is normally the way people hear about it. I, I want to talk to you about the significance of this with regard to the moments of your life, the experience of your life, what's to be the purpose of your life, and what's going on in your life. If you haven't been with us since uh, the beginning of the year, uh, we've been studying uh, right through the book of Mark. Uh, we called it the King Jesus Gospel because we believe the first verse of the Gospel of Mark. Mark is trying to tell us that Jesus is both Messiah, which is uh, the promised one for the Jewish nation, and that he's king of all people. 
And I've been saying to our, our congregation again and again that this really is the rub for most people in our day, that uh, in this room today, that this idea that Jesus is king, because we don't really do kings, it's hard for us to relate to. But Jesus wants uh, to be king of everything, including a king of your life. In fact, your life was intended to be lived under the lordship of Jesus, under his kingship. And Mark wants to make clear to us the kind of king that Jesus is. And he's not the normal kind of king. He's not the kind of king that demands a lot from his people. In fact, we've been reading week after week as Jesus serves his people, as he heals people, as he gives to people, as he feeds people. In fact, Jesus at one point says, I came to serve, to seek and to serve, to seek and to save uh, people that are lost. He gives his life again and again. And often the people that are closest to him, they watch what he does and they're fascinated. They see the kind of miracles that he does. They hear the things they teach. And even though they're attracted to him, well, well, frankly, they're mostly confused by him. They're confused with the way he acts. They're confused with the way he goes. They're confused with the things that he says. And they, they, they think he might be from God, but they don't think he's right about life. In fact, they spend a lot of time trying to get him to understand what's really going on in the world as if he doesn't know, as if you could be from God and not really understand life. But that one point, the idea that most people think Jesus is from God, he's a good man. In fact, I would dare say that many of you in this room, you've either been baptized and you would give your life to Christ, you say, or you've said a prayer at some point that somebody told you, made you a Christian, and it took care of heaven for you. Or you're the kind of person that if someone said to you, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you'd say yes. In fact, most people I meet these days believe in Jesus, but they don't believe him. They don't believe he's right. They don't believe he's right about how to do life. In fact, most of us live most of our life believing in Jesus and thinking that's going to take care of everything after this life. But in this life, I've got to figure out how to do this thing. And today what I want to talk to you about is this hinge point you just heard read. It really is the turning point for these men and women that have been following him around that are often confused by him when he asked them that, that, that question, this hinge point of, who do people say that I am? And then they say back to him, well, people don't really know who you are. People have all kinds of different ideas. In fact, people are pretty much confused by you. But then he asked them the question I think he really wanted to, be, to ask. You know how people sometimes we ask you the question, but it's not the question. It's the question before the real question. This is the question that he really wants to know. He wants to know, so who do you say I am? And Peter sort of blurts out, well, you're the Christ, you're the Son of God. And then Jesus begins at that point, we're told, to tell them, that's right. And I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be rejected by all these people, and I'm going to be beaten, and I'm going to die, and then I'm going to rise from the dead. Now, imagine somebody saying that to you. They predict their own death, they predict when it's going to happen, they predict how it's going to happen, and then they say, by their own power, they're going to rise from the dead. Imagine that gets said to you. What would you naturally think since you've never heard it said before? Well, you'd think it has to be a parable. It has to be some kind of analogy. 
He can't literally mean that, but again, I think Peter has a little insight, and Peter says, no, I think he literally means he's going to die, and that can't happen, so he begins to rebuke Jesus, the one he just said was God. Imagine rebuking God. Well, you already have. Many of you often say, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, but I'm not going to do what he says. So here's Peter. He rebukes him, and Jesus calls him Satan. And then Mark tells us something that deals with us. And this is where I don't want you to miss. He calls the crowd. Did you notice that? That he turns from, once he says to his disciples, Peter's like Satan, he's opposing me. He then turns to the crowd and he says to his disciples and to the crowd, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. And in this statement, in this one statement, Jesus makes about himself and Jesus, in this statement, he makes to us what it means to really believe in Jesus. Not, not believe in him, but to believe him. Not to believe something about him. What he means is what it means to trust him. Not to believe that he might take care of heaven, because, of course, you can't do nothing about that anyway. And so you trust him for that, but to believe him, to trust him. What does it mean to, when he says to us, you, you've, got to, you've got to trust me and trust me completely? So what does it mean? Well, it means to learn from him. It means I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow him. I'm going to learn from him what I don't know. And what is it I don't know? Well, it's how to do life. Now, I think I know how to do life. I'm 63. I know way more than most of y'all. But... If I really knew how to do life, why would I keep messing up the things that I don't want you to know about? Why would I keep messing up in the ways that I mess up and then hide that I mess up so nobody finds out that I mess up? We think we know how to do life, but we don't know. But Jesus knows. He holds the keys, not just to eternity, he holds the keys to life. Jesus knows how to do life, and he knows how to do it in abundance. And so I don't want you to miss, I want you to notice again, he turns from talking to the 12, from talking to his dudes, from talking to the men and women who've been around him, and he turns to the crowd. In effect, he turns to us throughout history, and he says something that's intended for everybody who tends to follow him. Way beyond this first generation, he comes all the way to us, and he, he says, I'm, I want you to hear this clearly. And he gets at something that really needs to get clear here we, in, in 2023. It needs to be said to our world, particularly for people who've gone to church a long time, like a lot of you. I mean, people my whole time in doing this, more than 40 years of standing before people, people literally want to know, can't I just follow Jesus to go to heaven, but I don't have to follow him with all the details of my life? Well, Jesus is going to answer that really important question and boy, I hope we're all ready for the answer because it is crystal clear. Listen, focus very clearly on this simple direct statement. Whoever wants to be my follower, my disciple, must deny themselves. Now, I want you to notice he doesn't say hate yourself. He doesn't say that you need to, you know, not like yourself. 
He's not asking you to de deny your basic humanity or your, your personhood. Notice he doesn't say that you have to hate the way that you are. And it's really important that you get this phrase really clearly because in our world, this idea of deny yourself that Jesus gives, it's gotten so confused. People, what he's literally saying is to deny, he means to denounce. In fact, in just a few days, he'll use for Peter the same word that he says now, deny. He will say to Peter in the upper room when Peter says, everybody else will leave you, but I won't leave you. And Jesus says, no, you will renounce me. You will deny me. You will act as if you've never seen me. You'll walk away from me. And of course, those of you who know the, the, the account know that that's what Peter does. In fact, the last time that he renounces Jesus, he does it with oaths and curses. That's the word Jesus chooses to use to say, if you want to be my follower, you must renounce yourself. I think it's also really important that I give you that it doesn't mean self-denial. That's the way I think religious people, like people who wind up at church, tend to think of it. Like particularly at this time of year, it's almost a meme nowadays. When I was growing up, it was just a certain group of Christians that would talk about Lent and giving up something for Lent. But now everywhere, people are giving up things for Lent. I mean, generally chocolate or some kind of bad habit. I had a guy recently here in church say to me, I'm going to give up cursing for Lent. And I said, just for Lent, huh? Uh, <laughs> But, you know, Jesus isn't talking about you denying a bad habit you have. He's not talking about you giving something up that you really enjoy. What he's talking about, I mean, and I've said this to you, we, Jason and Nathan and I have taught this through this study of Mark. Jesus is never as concerned about what you do as who you are. Because if if he gets who you are, what you do begins to flow out of that. You can't stop it. It just runs out of you. Therefore, he isn't talking about denying luxuries or even necessities. He's talking about denying self. And denying self primarily means, and get ready for this because this strikes at the core of American. It means giving up your right to determine what you do. It means giving up the right to make the final call for your life. It means giving up the right for you to decide where you go and what you do and how you live. Now when it comes to those terms, then I'm giving up the fundamental right that I want most above everything else because when I think about what I really want, I mean, me and every other human I know, what I want, what I covet above everything else is I want the final determination to decide what I do with me. I want to be able to say that. I hear people say all the time, I'm not afraid of die, and I just want to decide how it happens. <laughs> you know, everybody wants to die at 99 in their sleep. Because in the end, I want to decide about me. Human beings, I mean, at our core, we value and covet this one thing. We refuse to, to give that up. We don't want to be under the thumb of anybody. We want to make final decisions about us. This is what Jesus is talking about. I must renounce my right to me. 
And here's what I know for sure is even if you don't buy that's what Jesus said, those closest followers to Jesus who are listening with the crowd, when they see him resurrected at the end of the week, oh, they got that's what he said. Because we know for sure history tells us they gave up the right to them. They gave up their right to determine what would happen with their lives, and they impacted the world. So you hear Paul write to the church that he's trying to direct in Corinth, and he says to them, for you, you've been bought with a price. Therefore, you are not your own. You do not belong to you. If you're going to follow Jesus, you no longer own yourself. He has the ultimate right for you. He is the Lord of your life. You no longer determine for you. This is what Jesus means. If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself. Deny my self-leadership. Deny the feeling that I have that I can handle life by myself because I'm pretty smart and I figured it out. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you want to be my disciple? You must give up your rights to run your life. So let me say it one more time. There is no following Jesus without this. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And follow me. So what does it mean to take up your cross? This might sound a little fuzzy to you and me, but it was not fuzzy to Jesus. He had just told his inner core that he was going to go to Jerusalem and that he would be killed and would rise again. Now, it seems like they didn't get it. Maybe they thought he was talking in metaphor because the reality of what he was talking about was too hard to believe. They assume it's figurative, but they would soon find out what he meant. And with the benefit of history, we know this was literal for Jesus, but we want it to be a metaphor for us. So people talk about their cross to bear as being any kind of trial they are going through or any kind of handicap they endure or a rough relationship, like tough in-laws or a crazy neighbor. Those are my cross. That's not what Jesus means. Jesus faced all kinds of difficulties and trials in his life, but the cross was something different. The cross was not just painful, but it was shameful and humiliating. It was intentionally designed to dehumanize you before it killed you. And Jesus willingly chose to go to the cross. Jesus, God in flesh, could have stopped the whole thing. He had the power, but he chose to humble himself and go to the cross. After Christ's resurrection, the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of Jesus followers in the ancient Roman colony of Philippi and said it like this, Jesus, though he was God, did not think of equality with God as something to hold on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a servant and was born as a human being. And he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And Paul instructs believers to have this same mindset in their lives. We are to follow Jesus to the cross. So any circumstance, any incident which calls me to humble myself and endure and suffer for the sake of others is what it means to take up your cross. I deny myself. I die to my right to get things my way for the sake of serving others in Jesus' name. In another letter, Paul goes further to say, 
I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. When I decide to follow Jesus, when I deny myself and take up my cross, I am crucified with Christ. And so I no longer live on my own. It's Christ within me who empowers me for this life. There's something about the process of humbling myself in the name of Jesus, voluntarily choosing to endure suffering for the sake of others, that reduces me to the place where we're ready to receive grace. And not just grace to forgive my sins, but grace to sustain me. Grace that enables us to live the life that Jesus lived. And it doesn't have to be the great big things. It is the little things as well. Do you feel hurt when someone remembers everyone else's birthday, but they never remember yours? Do you get upset when you're leaving a store and someone who works there asks to see your receipt? Does criticism hurt even when you know it is justified? Do other people drive in such a way that you regularly get enraged? Do you refuse to do things at work or at home that you know are just beneath you or complain that you're the one that always has to do them? All of these forms of humble service, if we will accept them, can be minor forms of the cross at work in our lives. Now, you might think those are trivial, but this is actually a radical way to live your life every day. It's so different from the culture around us. If you don't believe me, give it a shot. Try it and see if you don't have friends or family say, you don't have to take that from them, or you don't need that negativity in your life, or you should get angry, get even. But the call of Jesus is, if you're going to be my disciple, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. It's important to make clear, follow me means obey me. Following Jesus does not mean believing some facts about him and then doing whatever we want to do. Following Jesus is about arranging your life in such a way that you can obey what he has commanded you to do. The goal of following Jesus is to follow in his steps and look to him and trust him to empower us to take each step because those steps lead us to a cross where we must give up our lives. Author Dallas Willard once said it this way, Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we don't have to. He died on the cross so that we might join him there. So the invitation of Jesus, as we have been learning today, is to come and to die. <laughs> die so that you might find life, life with him. So the question we're going to wrestle with right now is what is it that Jesus is calling you to lay down or what is he calling you to take up in order for you to follow him where he's leading where is he asking you to deny yourself to endure hardship or maybe even suffering in his name or for the sake of someone else so uh, before we go any further we're just going to sit with that for a minute I'm going to slow down and I'm going to allow you to have a conversation with God about those questions. So in a moment, there's going to be a moment of quiet. I want you to ask God to open your eyes to that situation or to that relationship or that area of your life where he may be calling you to take up your cross and follow him. And to help us get to that place, we're going to get really focused on these words of Jesus that we've been learning together. And we're going to read them together. And as we do around here, our tradition is I'm going to begin to read the words on the screen. And I want to invite you, when I get to the words in bold, to read those out loud with me. 
Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Now take a moment, and in the quiet, I want you to ask God, God, would you reveal to me where it is that you are calling me? Where is God calling you to take up your cross in your life? Maybe you are already kind of getting a a glimpse of it. Maybe you already know, and you just want to spend this time asking God to help you see what is the next step you need to take in that area. And and as we've said already, if you're new to all of this and you feel like you might be faking it if you do, you don't need to feel obligated to participate. You don't need to manufacture some kind of mystical experience. That's not what this is about. Maybe you just want to rest in the quiet and ask God to just guide your thoughts to wherever he would lead you. So whatever you need to do, have a conversation with him. Do that right now. now if you're willing to do this I want to give you a moment to surrender that situation surrender that relationship to God maybe all you need to do in these next few moments is just to say these words to God God I surrender it's all yours or maybe you need to ask God for some help because you're going to need his help to take up your cross in that area or maybe The only thing you can say if you're honest with God in these moments is, God, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to give this up to you, but could you help me? Could you help me learn how to trust you? In these next few moments, just be honest with God. Heavenly Father, help us. Help each of us take our next step towards surrendering the control of our lives over to you. Help us to see the beauty and the freedom that comes when we deny ourselves, when we take up our cross, and when we truly do follow you. Because we know on the other side of that cross, that's where life is found. Remind us of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is the Christian life.
In John 17, the one clear time when Jesus says what eternal life is, he says, this is eternal life, that you know me, that you know my Father. And that's Christianity, following and knowing and doing life with Jesus. It's allowing his spirit to actually help you do what you know right now you can't honestly do, like love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Forgive those who wound you. I mean, Jesus didn't say those as merely wise suggestions. Jesus knows how to do life, and he knows how to do it in abundance. This is the way. Jesus is the way. Doing life with Jesus is the way to life. He's setting it before us and. He's asking, do you, do you want to conform your life to this way? When you don't feel like obeying, when you don't feel like forgiving, when you don't feel like praying, he reminds us, you could be like God. God is kind to the ungrateful. Imagine a God that good that is kind to people who are ungrateful. God is kind to those who are turned against him. God is that good, and you can be as well. You can bear one another's burdens. You have freely received. Now you can freely give. This is denying yourself, taking up your cross. This is what it looks like to do that. Now, it's going to take a lifetime. I don't want to act like it's a one-time decision. It's not. But we don't ever act like the steps we take, even if we fall down again and again, are not what we're supposed to do. This is what we've been called to do. In the original words of Jesus, what he says to them in Greek is, keep on denying yourself. Keep on taking up your cross. Keep on following me. It's not a decision. It's a one-time decision that leads to a lifetime of obedience. In fact, um, author Eugene P uh, Peterson said, it is a long obedience in the same direction again and again. This is what it means to follow Jesus. This, Jesus is calling you to a life of denying yourself, giving up your rights, taking up your cross. It's accepting the incidents and circumstances of your life that point out how actually petty you can be, how angry you can be when you don't get to control everybody and everything in your life, and seeing them as this glorious mirror that you can then ask him to change you into his image. Well, isn't that an attractive offer? I mean... Some of you at least have to be thinking, why would Ed decide to teach that on Easter egg day? <laughs> and if this is a little difficult for you, I mean, if it's like the first time told me, somebody told me that CrossFit meant flipping tractor tires, if it sounds like that to you, <laughs> before you decide to give up on Jesus like I gave up on CrossFit, I just want you to hear that Jesus also gives you the reason. He's really clear about the reason. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, like continue the rest of your life controlling your life, if you continue to try to hang on to your life, well, you're going to lose it anyway. But if you will give up your life, for me and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. 
Jesus knows that inside of us there's this deep desire every moment of our life to grab as much of life as we can have in every moment of our life. He knows that we want it. And Jesus says, if you want that, if you want life, if you want the kind of life you've seen me live, the kind of life that has power in all circumstances when people are turned against you, if you really want the best life that I'm demonstrating before you, this is how you find it. There are two attitudes. I mean, Jesus just points them out as two roads. You can decide to continue to do what you... You've been doing with your life. You can hold on to it. You can cling to it. You can grasp it. You can decide you've got to take care of yourself, that you've got to figure it out, that you can trust yourself so that in every situation, your primary concern is, what do I do that's best for me and those I care about? That's one way to live life. That's one way to live every day of your life. And to be honest, most of us, that's what we've been doing most of the days of our life. The other way, Jesus says, is you can take your life and you can, well, you can just fling it away. You can give it to me. You can disregard it. You can count no advantage to it. You can deny yourself. You can live a cross-shaped life decided by following me in every place, and you will find power for your life. And he said there are only two results. If you try to save it and cling to it and hoard it and hold on to it and do what you want to do in every situation, then Jesus says without a doubt, he says, you will never find it. In fact, you will lose what you've tried to hold on to in every moment. You will find that you have everything you wanted, which I've had a lot of friends that wind up at this point in my life where you get to retirement and you find out I got everything I wanted and I don't want anything I have. You will find that all of your life you were grasping at nothing that really mattered and it all ran through your hands. But if you lose your life, you intentionally give it away. You intentionally turn your life over to me and follow me and you take up your cross, you will save your life and you will find what people are looking for but they don't know how to put in words. Jesus said, give your life to me and you can have peace. The way he originally said it is, if you will pay, take up my yoke, do life with me, you can find rest for your soul. And you will discover not what some people have told you Christianity was about, which was heaven someday. You will find life. And it will be running out your ears in abundance. And even though you don't have what other people say really matters, you will find that you have a rich, rewarding sense of contentment and satisfaction. Because what good will it do you if you gain everything you're trying to grasp and you get to the end of it and you realize nothing you have is worth having? You spent your one and only life and you lose it. So what does this practically look like? As I try to sum this up, I think the rest of the New Testament, really, honestly, all the epistles that are written, the letters that are written, they're all trying to answer that question. What does it look like in our context to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus? And since you won't stay here for me to read the rest of the New Testament to you, <laughs> I just want to read you the one place where Jesus says it really clearly, or through the Apostle Paul. He writes about Jesus and 
in just the way that we're going to see him remembered this week, but he puts us in the context. Paul says it this way. Kelly mentioned it a minute ago. He says, this is denying yourself. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mind as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be held on to for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. What does it look like for me to deny myself and take up my cross? It means that I move forward with this. I continue to get rid of selfish motivations, and I continue to deny myself. I look out to the interest of others and what's the benefit for others. In every relationship, I'm trying to find the position that I can make the most difference for the most other people. I look to the cross of Christ where even the advantages he had as God, he doesn't hold on to. He gives them up for the sake of other people. And Paul ends by saying that when Jesus did that, what he promised would happen for us, it happened for him. Jesus says, if you give up your life, you will find life. If you take second place, you will find out that God will give you everything you need. He ends by saying, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So if you're here and you're just checking this out today, we're so glad you came. And we're going to have a great time in just a few minutes. I'm so glad you came. And I know that was a lot. <laughs> and I get you may not be ready. That's okay. Every person in this room that follows Jesus, Jesus waited for them until they were ready. And he will wait for you. He will look for you. He will find you. So you don't have to decide today. Maybe you just make the decision. Hey, I want to come back. I want to continue to ask questions. That's okay too. Jesus says, come and die with me. Maybe you ought to come next week and see what Jesus does to death as we celebrate Easter together. And you continue to find what life in him could be like. But for the majority of us in this room who are followers of Jesus, I have to say to you, I hope you have clearly heard the Lord say, you cannot be my disciple and not deny yourself. You must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And if you do, you will find the life you always wanted. It's found by joining Jesus on the cross. So here we come to the time we come to every week where we remember the beauty of the life Jesus gave us at the cross. And Jason's going to come back and lead us in a time of communion with him now. Mm -hmm.